All right, welcome back to Dinner Guests. After a small hiatus. Well, they wouldn't know that because this is a recording. True. So uh, you just gave away. We've never left. Yeah, you just gave away uh, (laughs) all of our secrets. (laughs) But this is the first Dinner Guest episode that we actually have a guest. (laughs) So far, we've just uh, indulged in ourselves. And our producer, Jason, is always with us. And I was explaining to our guests, which who I'm going to introduce in just a moment, that uh, Jason is like... In this context, we actually spend way more time at your place eating your food in reality. Yes, this is a true story. This is true, <laughs> yes. In reality. Thousands of dollars. Yes, and I think we're going to be going there tonight because we got to drive you home. So there you go. I was hoping to raid your <laughs> fridge as well. And um, But in the context of the show, we feel like you are at our table. <laughs> yes. Even though I own the table. That's okay. Kids. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay. That's <laughs> the context the of the show. Yeah. I'm- and the room. <laughs> and the room and everything. And we appreciate and love you for it. Um, but just for the context of the show. Absolutely. Just for, the, just for that. Not reality, but just the context of the show. We feel. You peeling back the curtain, Nick? That totally. Okay, so yeah. Doing- <laughs> yeah. That you are our, our, our guest. And you're, when I was explaining to our guests, our real guest here today, that, uh, yeah, you know, he's like, he's like the uncle that won't go home. You're just always wondering, like, you know, is he ever going to. I think you're projecting. Is he ever going to leave? Is that, is that me? Am I that guy? <laughs> I feel that way when you guys come visit. So. Uh, awesome. Why don't you introduce our guest, Nick? Let's do it. All right. We got Mr. John Forward. He is a St. John comedian, stand-up comic. He's got a radio show on local, uh, local university radio, I guess local FM. Yeah, uh, it, it's a community radio. I think they just say that because it sounds fancier than like <laughs> campus radio. <laughs> okay, one, one level it's slightly one level more. Up. Per, okay, yeah. let me <laughs> radio. Yeah, this this isn't just for kids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This isn't totally amateur. <laughs> so okay, you got a radio show. I know you've got a radio show because I've been yes. uh, a guest on your radio show twice um, as a candidate for the PPC. Uh, talking politics, and then you know, last time we were talking a little bit of semen retention, a little bit of sex, and whatever other, but well, politics too. <laughs> and uh, you know, so I, you're I, perfect. I, I, for I a also good have guest. A, another podcast. I'll throw the plug in for oh, do it's it. called uh, Four Story Walk Up. It's with uh, my friends and other comedians, Arif Hussein and Brian Godso. That one's too spicy for uh, community radio, though. So, oh, okay, cool. And I know you do comment. And we we checked out your your stand up, and uh, uh, we laughed. But you've got, I say, but you've got a style that uh, I would say is a niche market. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, yes. Uh, depends on who you ask. Uh, alt-right Nazi market? <laughs> not, not really. <laughs> well, they, well um, you're in the right place, actually, right here, according well, to the uh, it's legacy fu- media. It's funny as far as the content, because like five years ago, my other friends and comedian would make fun of me for being like the, the woke social justice warrior one. 
but just the world has moved away from me and I haven't really changed my beliefs that much, but now I'm like crazy right wing or something. I don't yeah. know. It's well, silly. You, you told me in your show that you are an anarchist because you actually would start the show off by being like, so uh, I don't like government. I don't like politicians. But we've got Nicholas here, who's I'm a politician, you stayed and uh, and is running for government. <laughs> and then you'd be like, but then you would you would declare yourself as an anarchist, mm-hmm. and I want to know what exactly do you mean by that? Like, I want to I want to really dive into this idea of anarchy a bit with you. So, what is like? How do you define yourself as? A, why do you say you're an anarchist, and what does that mean? Uh, to me, it like a lot of people, when you hear the word, it's got a lot of baggage. It conjures images of chaos and bombs and fires oh, yeah. and, and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, honestly, it's just, it's just removing like unearned authority, I guess. It's about like some, some anarchists prefer the term voluntarism because that sounds a little bit less scary, but that's, that's what it is. It's a society built on voluntary reactions with our relationships with people. So we don't have a voluntary relationship with our government. Putting it to a vote makes it slightly more voluntary, but not by much. Um, but uh, I, I, like to me, um, I started out as more libertarian, I guess. And I'd, I would still prefer libertarian government flavored government policies than not. But, uh, I, I just think the whole thing is inherently flawed and it's not even that radical of a thing. It's only radical when it's applied to politics, like every relationship that we have that's voluntary in our life is an anarchic relationship. The conversation that we're having right now, I'm on your show, but you're not like ruling me and I'm yeah. here by choice. And if I really wanted to, I could walk out the door. Yeah. Lock the door. Again. I do feel like setting fires. <laughs> What's and that? I said, I do feel like setting a fire right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and, it, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean there's no rules either. Like he didn't tell me what the rules are, but you know, there's just general decorum. Of well, I think we just call people. right. I think that's where, where, where we, I think one of the things about, let's say, the woke left, one of my particular beefs about the woke left ideology is that they want to make a law what I believe should just the culture or the people should either naturally happen or not. Yeah. Right. Like you like for me, you don't want to force people to have to interact with other people in a certain way because 99 percent of us don't need that because we are humans and, and we understand like when we're walking down the street or with each other, you know, uh, we're not uh, for, for again, 99 percent of us are, are, are decent human beings. And even if we absolutely hate someone, most of us will just walk on by and it won't be an issue. And there's a small percentage, I think, of, of people that are, are making, you know, issues way more heightened. I think that anarchy, from what I can grasp so far, in my perspective, would need a very mature uh, population. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not something that I would suggest we flip a switch because if that happened, there probably would be the fires and chaos that everybody's afraid All of. Right. And with, and <laughs> Jason afraid, over here. Sorry. And within... Your plan doesn't work because we have yeah. people like Jason in society. <laughs> and within two days, everybody's going to be like, well, we tried that. Let's bring them back. Yeah. 
it it requires a generational shift. I mean, I don't want to see like a huge violent revolution or anything like that. I'd rather us see incremental changes. And if that's just one piece at a time, take one thing that go- the government is doing right now that we've just been propagandized into assuming that it's that's the only way that we can get it. Set up a side parallel version of that that just outcompetes the government version. So once that's and that's not 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 an easy task. Um, but if we had kind of that side thing, the government thing almost becomes irrelevant and it becomes less of an abstraction. And it's just that it's just we've been trained to assume that everything that the government does for us, that's the only way we can do it. And they'll allow us to bicker within the narrow confines of what the left wing version of the government policy versus the right wing version of the government policy. There's no discussion of what's the best way to accomplish this goal. Yeah. It's what's the best policy. Yeah. And it's what's the, it, the, the goal is ultimately the same. Yeah. And, and then they're, they're essentially bickering over different ways to get to the same place. But what you're talking about, and I think that's where, um, I think we align there is that there needs to be a, a question or a conversation that is the fundamental shift of the way that we even perceive what government is and their yeah. role within our lives or in our society. I think yeah. that's a well, bigger and, and philosophical discussion. Yeah, and there's people I would recommend uh, Murray Rothbard's Anatomy of the State. It's available for free online. It's like 60 pages. It's very digestible. That kind of lays out what the state really is. And it's it's basically an organized crime thing. It's just <laughs> we're, we're, it's a protection racket. You need to support us or something bad might happen to you. I've been saying that for a long time. I said, and the only other op- the only other organization that we generally associate with that type of uh, business model is the mafia. Yeah, I said the not, mafia operates like that, and that's essentially how the, the government thing. has been operating with us. Only it's it's a mafia that's, and this isn't my quote. I forget who it is, but it's it's a it's a shakedown racket parading itself around as if it's a human rights organization. Yes, 100%. And it's not. And there's a there's another guy, Lysander Spooner, who was uh, an anarchist and an abolitionist back in uh, slavery times. He has a really good analogy talking about how, like, at least when you're getting robbed by a highwayman. I mean, this is written a long time ago. So <laughs> highwayman. <language>, like, <laughs> no, that's not actually that happens. Uh, actually, that happens in New Brunswick. You know, people here still hitchhike but, as part of the, the the deal and i love it <laughs> but if if you're getting robbed by a highwayman they're gonna take what you've got and then they're gonna they're gonna go fuck off they're not gonna stick around and say you're welcome and then keep imposing themselves and making decisions in your life yeah but it's essentially the same thing so they they take our tax money which uh you know the libertarian talking point taxation is theft i believe that I don't think there's any definition of theft that this wouldn't count. And just because they're spending some of it on nice things that we want doesn't make it any less. Well, like if it's I like pick- when the mob robs yeah. the neighborhood and then throws a Christmas party and the neighborhood falls in love with them because they threw crumbs back. It kind of reminds me, I've got the picture actually of like old school, like surrounding, all the peasants are surrounding the castle because, you know, there's not enough food. 
and the, the inside the castle they got all the best food everything's there and then they come out and they throw some bread out and some leftovers out and you know we're all like oh thank you so much sir <laughs> you know but really i'm like you just you robbed us and then you gave us a little bit back <laughs> yeah and if if somebody picked your pocket and stole your wallet and you're like hey you stole my wallet and they like buy you something with some of it I'm like well, we good <laughs> we're good yeah, we're like yeah thanks for buying me lunch with my money <laughs> and and at a certain point with taxes i mean they don't have to use violence to get it but somewhere that's some step along the way sooner or later if you just refuse to pay your taxes unless you just go be a hermit and live in the woods off the grid completely at a certain point armed men with are going to come kick in your door and throw you in a cage yeah it, you know it's what's really interesting have you ever heard of this guy called the living man no. you've heard of him yeah sir I'm pretty sure I saw a documentary on him. Maybe is he out in the BC? Living Man? No, he's in the U.S. He's called. He calls himself the Living Man. Now he. This is U.S. U.S. law that he's using. But he lives off the grid. Mm. He's forages and hunts his own food. So they try to get him all the time on different things like hunting without a license, fishing without a license, and he beats them every time by using uh, the U.S. Constitution and the original laws. And, uh, and, and, but he lives completely off the grid. Like he, he, he is self-sustainable. And so he is protected as a human being to be able to do that. Governments don't like that because they want everybody to feel like they're absolutely dependent on the government. Now, that he's a very rare case. I'm going to play a devil's advocate a bit here. And do you think the constitution? Do you think that constitution is the thing that's holding back the uh, agents of the state from just coming and throwing this guy in a cage? Um, I think that he's been able to make his case enough times in court that uh, that well, so far he ha they haven't been able to do it. I think that law. Enforce my experience so far with the police and you know dealing with law enforcement that we've dealt with uh you know over the last bit you know uh, of our life is that they generally want to follow what they believe is the law and if the court rules something i don't see the police generally overruling that i see that the police execute the the law in which they see is what the court uh, the, what the court deems. And so far, this guy, and I, I don't know all the details, but so far, this guy has been able to uh, operate, let's say, outside of the normal operations of the United States. But again, he's self-sustainable, and there are laws to, to protect that type of living. I want to I play devil's advocate a little bit with just the idea, just for the sake of conversation, um, is that what about uh, uh, like the idea that it's like it's better to have some kind of government or ruling body because ultimately while it's a nice idea that we would all volunteer and get along that's just not the reality of it what, what would you like say to that thought process well we don't all have the same goals so even if the government is pointed in a certain direction to achieve a certain thing that's not the same thing that everybody wants and to the extent, as long as we're not infringing on other people around us, we don't all need to be on the same page. So, and whatever it is, whatever task or whatever thing that you think, like even, well, we need a little bit of government to take care of this thing. Why can't that be fulfilled by a voluntary organization? 
Like whatever you want to accomplish, whether it's security, I mean, you can, I'm sure if there was nothing and it was just chaos in the streets, that's an opportunity for, for somebody with a security company to be like, here's my bid. These are the things that I'm going to provide for this community. And this is what you pay me. And as soon as I start murdering minorities, then you stop sending the check. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I, I hear you. And, uh, but at that point, then you need taxation, right? Because you, you need a collective pool of money to then go pay the security guy. Why does it need to be stolen to do that? No, it's not stolen. It would have to be, vol well, this is, it's not taxes if it's voluntary. That's called a, okay. that's a charity. Well, then, but or then, people getting together so, and voluntarily. So let me ask you this. So something. let me ask you this, right? Okay. So I live in this village, right? I live in this voluntary uh, village mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, I'm good with security, man. I got, I got a couple shotguns and I, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, need this company to do this so do i have to pay if you don't want to so no. you, you might be making a mistake and you might yeah. be putting a target if you've got something that people might want to steal and they're like well that guy doesn't have the security company that makes you a bit of a target but if you want to build a wall around your compound and arm yourself <laughs> that'd be awesome <laughs> i want to do that regardless do, yeah i was gonna say i just want to do that <laughs> anyways, i, don't know, I just yeah. see this type of, of anarchy causing warlords like okay cause it, 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 yes, i love it i'm in i'm in. no you're in yeah. well people like nick who are very charismatic and can draw people to him you know there's going to be people like that in an anarchy situation where there's going to be some people generally are going to gravitate to a leader or someone that's going to say, you know, we need to do this, this, and this. Because not everyone's a leader. A lot of people are followers. Sure. So couldn't an anarchy system cause some communities to say, you know what? We're following Nick. Nick's got some great ideas. We're letting roll on food. Our neighbor's got lots of food. We're going to follow Nick voluntarily and take their food. Sure, and then, then they take their food and they say they have security. So now a, a fight breaks out and maybe the other neighbors over here. Well, no, you know what? They do get food. And Nick goes and talks to them and say, yeah, you want, we'll give you some. Okay. They join Nick's forces and they attack that. By the way, village. I really like how this scenario is playing out. <laughs> but, yeah, no, you do. But well, my saying, forces are building here. Yeah. <laughs> people are generally gravitating towards someone who is a leader. I mean, you look at Hitler, who was an awful leader, but people gravitated toward him because he could talk, he could speak, he manipulate. He convinced a whole nation to exterminate billions of people or at least turned a blind eye to it. Mm -hmm. So is it having an anarchy system, taking a risk of people like this popping up and just saying, follow me, and then they create a sort of a warlord society because now this guy's got an army, I'm going to need an army, and they're going to need an army, and they're going to need an army, and I want what he wants. I, guess I think there's an app on your I, phone I, you can play for that. I, I almost feel like by your description that that is the world. Well, that's what it always that, is. That, always, people, that is the world. That is, is that that nation you're, you're, are, really you're arguing the worst case scenario for anarchy versus the best case scenario for democracy. <laughs> that is equal. That is, that was great. <laughs> so, but but even even beyond that, this is a scenario that's. I mean, it sounds like a movie, and we have. <laughs> I was totally but, thinking Mad Max the whole time. And, <laughs> and, 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 and our our culture influences our totally. ideas like that. Yeah. And you can argue that it's on purpose or it's not. It might not be, but it no, might I also think there's be just entertainment. But, I, entertainment. but, I, but yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that 
everybody in government-funded public schools has to read Lord of the Flies. That plants the seed. This is what happens when no one's in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was a conscious decision by somebody at some point. Yes. But... Did you but, bring your tinfoil hat as well? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but, no, we're totally, we're totally. So I'm I, all about the God, the, I, you know, I, planting But seeds. even if it's not a big, yeah. a big, everybody's read that book and everybody knows how the warlords and everybody starts fighting. But I mean, there are those people in the world that's inevitable, no matter what you're, there is no utopian system that solves all. No, of there's the problem, always, there's but, always an asshole in a group. But would be. you rather the asshole have to convince a bunch of people to follow them? and volunteer their money or just convince 27% of the population to vote for you, but you still got the reins of an entire country, history of infrastructure, the entire military behind you. Like peace is a lot cheaper and more sustainable than war. Well, you look at China's history. That's all you had was warlords until one Lord said, you know what? I'm taking, take it at all. And yeah, they and created a dynasty. So, and cre creating that kind of a thing, especially if it's voluntary, is a lot harder when people have access to information. That's easier to pull off when yeah. you're in, like, North Korea and That's just right. nobody knows what's happening outside the borders of your country. But let's let's say we're in uh, we're in my uh, my dream anarchist society. <laughs> yes. Let and, us enter your dream world. And we've got this group of people over here. They've hired this organization to take care of their security and maybe whatever. And we've got company B over here on the left and they're doing a similar thing. One of them wants to become a warlord. They're going to have to charge a lot more to their customers to hire all of the armed goons to go around kicking in doors and like roughing people up. Like that's not something that people will just do. You no, need it's to call propaganda. You need to, you need to hire those people. So you need to, you need to spend money on giving a job to all these violent goons that you want on your team to enforce all of this stuff. You need to amass weapons and power and all this stuff. And also it's very hard to hide that any of this is happening. So as you get bigger and bigger and shadier and shadier, it becomes more and more obvious. It's going to be more and more expensive. Like who, who's going to have the bigger monthly fee, the one that's amassing a giant army to world dominate or the one that just takes care of the community and makes sure that everybody's safe. I think the one that wants to create a massive army and dominate will, would Definitely, because they're going to use propaganda. They're going to make people disappear that don't agree with them. They're going to do all kinds of stuff because it happens now in every, you look, feudalism, uh, kings and queens, you know, you name it. Every society, every type of, of political structure, someone always steps up out of nowhere. But if it but if convinces it's, if people it's, it's the right thing to do. If it's decentralized and like company A... It costs a hundred dollars a month for everybody that lives in this community to throw in to the to the pool for security company A. Security company B needs to be able to compete with that, or this community would all also just hire say, A. Company A, look at all the cool shit they got, and we don't have that. And people hate people who have things they don't have because it's just a. I don't know if that's a natural thing or not. It's not going to take a lot to convince a group of people. To destroy another group of people happens all the time. 
And sure, but if, I think if, that if group we're just have has, more of it in a in a. In wait, a hold on. We're, we've system. we've entered his dream world. Though. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, let's get back to the strippers. I'm, I'm, I'm the Freddy Krueger of the scenario. <laughs> sorry. No. I was trying to be devil's advocate. Listen, but that. like if 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 the peaceful group A has enough resources that it's even worthwhile for somebody else to want to take it, they've got the means to defend themselves and then they'll have to pay more to defend i think them. i think that i think ultimately nick should be king well yes of course <laughs> uh ultimately i think that at the end of the day some natural like leadership and government whether yeah, you sure. call it government not, not, or something not, not everybody wants to make the decision for every nickel that they spend yeah so if somebody wants exactly what we have now that's allowed in an anarchist society, it just means that it's not mandatory for everybody and it's not a one size fits all. If you yeah. want to say, hey, I'm going to put this company or this person or this organization in charge of all of the stuff, which is ludicrous. Nobody would choose one company to take care of their education and their health care and the security and the long list of all that stuff. I'm pretty sure Amazon. that. Uh, Wait, so I'm, I have a question, I'm though. pretty sure that Trudeau takes care of everything. If Canada, <laughs> if Canada is then divided, let's say, into a bunch of small communities, mm -hmm. how does that look when Canada is then dealing with other countries? Like, how do, who's, who's going to be the, let's say, ambassador for Canada if we're already divided into small groups? Why do we need to have one? And each of the groups can send an ambassador if they want to be involved in whatever's going on with uh, with another country. I, I don't think, and it, and again, if one of these communities wants to be like a world player or something, then again, that's going to add yeah, to the monthly bill. Like does protecting raise yourself a question. From you other, like, like just protecting the country from other, like, uh, a foreign attack, let's say. Mm. Well, foreign attack, I mean, and that's, that's a good selling point if you have a, a private military. If there's a credible attack from another country that is likely and they can, they can say this is what's going to happen. Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. We've got to do something about it. First, you need to convince them that you're, what you're saying is true. So you need to actually show some evidence and not just have a politician say so and do a microphone. I was going to say, but they said they had it. <laughs> they said yeah. it pretty convincingly. <laughs> now, it's one level to convince like, okay, and the military budget already exists. It's one thing to have to go through all of the steps to first off, this guy is bad. You have to convince people of that. And then he's a threat to you is the next step that you need to convince. And everybody's like, okay, this guy's a threat. This is what we're gonna do. I'm like, okay, well, here's our budget. This war in Iraq is gonna cost $11 billion. <laughs> and uh, this, this is how many people are signed up. So your cut of it is gonna be this per month. And each month or year that goes on where this thing is dragged out and it's and we find out that there's no weapons of mass destruction <laughs> and the body counts going up and the costs are going through the roof. Like at any time we can be like, no, we're done. You can't yeah. do that when a government rolls in. They just decide they were they were in Afghanistan for 20 years and they got nothing to show for it. If people were what do you mean they built oil pipes, man. If people <laughs> they got tons of oil pipes. If the average them. person paid their percentage of whatever that war cost month after month or year after year, a lot quicker people would lose their taste for it. 
Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I think I, what I what I I think the idea that I I think I like the most in in what you're describing is like a, let's say an ideal like world to live in, which I, I just like I like this as a concept as a game, if you will, right? Just to like, what would it be like? The the thing that I like the most that gra that I gravitate towards in your ideas is the idea of a voluntary uh, kind of system. Because I've always said like politicians should. You know, um, it could probably be largely chalked up to a part-time job, something in which it never really becomes your career. It doesn't become a big money game. It's, sure. it's you maybe you get a salary, you know, you're traveling, you're staying away from your family. Of course, that would reduce some of the responsibilities and such, and, and you know, and I'm just saying this broadly, but I like the idea of uh, being a politician that's like, well, it's not what I do for a living. I have something else that I do. I have a job or career, whatever I do. Uh, but I also, maybe I get a part-time salary because I volunteer my time or I've been elected uh, to represent this community and such. And then I think it, it gets back more to that community spirit. Hey, yeah. everybody knows John. John's always doing well for the community. And we generally know that he's going to have our back at larger decisions. So I, yeah. I kind of well, like, 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 like that idea of it. Because all these different kind of communities, they can try their own vision for what they want. So your community might do that with a limited like part-time mayor or whatever you want to call it. Community over here, if there is like a genuinely competent person who knows what they're doing and is effective at getting results and delivering on the promises they made. I don't mind that person making a good living. If that person is an amazing leader and does a great job at everything that they promise, throw all the money at that guy. Yeah. So here's or, a question. I always say, say if throw all the money does at that a good guy, job, people don't mind how much they get paid. Is there going to be money job. in this type of world? Like, what's currency? If you got your community and you're using uh, Snickers bars and this community's using rocks and this community's using wood chips, what's money? Money wouldn't exist. So it, it, all, it would all be trade. Decide. Well, well it's whatever we, we've people already, decide. We've already had bartering, and that's I mean, which, which, is, which is an option, but that's not efficient because if one person, like, if I own an orchard and somebody else makes boats... Like, it doesn't make any sense to figure out how many apples I would pay to get a boat. Yeah, bartering doesn't work. When people so, pr propose bartering, I'm like, that would take us way back. People can do that. Bartering is certainly on the table. I don't <laughs> think it would work. But if people uh, want to try it, we would have to live a very simple life again. <laughs> but the idea of money came from, and it could, it, we could go back to, like, you know, precious metals, gold and silver and coins and all that stuff. That was that was fine, and even before they went off the gold standard, when like a the piece of paper that says this is one dollar was worth a certain weight in gold that was sitting in a vault somewhere. But you have to get everyone to agree that this is every community would have to agree this has value. Sure, and it makes more sense for everybody to be kind of on the same page, even between communities. Like, imagine if we were just coming up with the idea that there'd be more than one phone company. The argument would be like, well, what if I'm on Bell and this person's on Rogers? How are we going to call each other? It makes sense for both sides to make those things communicate with each other. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a natural organization that happens. Like, so meaning, let's say for currencies or or anything, 
let's say I've got like Bell and Rogers, you know, they're, they're competitors, but at the same time, there are certain things that they know are mutually beneficial. It helps, (laughs) it helps them, (laughs) it helps them both, um, you know, grow their business. And, and, and so in one hand they're competitors, but in another hand, they may be partners in certain things. Yeah, and I think that's what them, you're none saying. None of them would be successful that's if right. you were only able to communicate with other people that are working for the same company. That's right. So yeah. there, there might be some community that uses gold and silver coins. There might be, you know, these people want to use Bitcoin or whatever. Like whatever the problem is, when you've got anarchy, it's, if it's and again, my specific flavor of anarchy, there's different ones. Right. I'm not very concerned of the different flavors of anarchy. As long as if we got to a point where everybody could decide what they want, I don't care if you guys want to go be anarcho-communists over there. I'm going to be an anarcho-capitalist over here. That's fine. You're probably all going to starve, but <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because you view like again. So if I hear the word anarchy. You know, first thing that comes to mind for sure is burning buildings, and uh, and there is know, a there right? is a like, long history of that. It's not all propaganda. Like yeah. most the the anarchist as a philosophy started out as like the very left wing kind of communist leaning stuff. That's what anarchy was for most of its history. Yeah, the anarcho capitalist flavor of it is something that w- is relatively new that that wasn't really a thing that was talked about a whole lot until like yeah. the 1970s i mean it sounds to me very libertarian it yeah. sounds that's why you know again a lot of our viewpoints and, align right um, and like i said I, I started out libertarian or minarchist small government but to me like over time it just got to be like whatever that little last scrap of government that you're hanging on to I can't imagine any scenario where that couldn't be replaced by something better that's voluntary. Yeah. And if it turns out that the best way to accomplish this thing is to steal everybody's money, okay, we can do that. <laughs> An anarchist doesn't stop some community from forming their own government. That's Well, fine. yeah, I, th- I think personally, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about hypotheticals. Uh, and I, I think that governments will always form. I think they're a natural part of society. Sure, but as long as it's as long as you can opt out and it's voluntary, that's that's a much better check than any words written on a it's, piece of paper. Yeah, that's the that's the part like that's really interesting. I mean, you know, we've been exploring things like going off grid and homesteading and all of these ideas, and we've been meeting all these people that are doing living life differently. You know, here in New Brunswick and. It's been really cool, and it, it's really interesting because it's like, at some point or the other, we all benefit from some centralization. Like our lives, in my opinion, are more efficient and better mm. because we have a, a, a city, uh, a, a city council, and a government who makes sure that the garbage is being funded and that we've got our roads you know, maintained and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? They're doing a great job. (laughs) job. (laughs) That was a horrible example for St. John. Let's say maybe in like a place like Calgary where they have nice roads and they're doing a good job there, right? You know? Take your word for it. But but all all the stuff that, all of the goodies that we get from the government, all the stuff that we like is a pretty small chunk of the budget. So for every, you know, oh, but the, poor person's not going to learn how to read if not for this. We've got a 
we've got a bunch of bureaucrats sitting in buildings making double the salary of somebody else doing the same job in the private industry. And you've got, no matter what the rules are, like all of the regulations on paper are, we're doing this to protect the average person. But the worst possible people in society always have, they're either the ones making the laws or they've got the most access to the people making the laws. So I have a question and maybe nobody knows this. Maybe it doesn't exist. Is there a country today that is close to an anarchy system as it can get? No, no. Um, I think Switzerland. Usually the, what, 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 what you describe province has their own government and they, like that they've got they something vote. called cantons. So I've been learning my aunt lives in Switzerland. Now, they have a very interesting system that I would say is closest to what you've described from what I can grasp, where they have these things like cantons or villages. And then there is um, a council. And then there may be like a president of the council. And I think and I think this scales up all the way to the federal level. And so let's say your community, your community, um, uh, uh, present something that they want to happen. It goes to this council and then there is a discussion and then the council votes, but the president of the council changes every year. So there's never at one time, like no one is distinctly the ultimate leader because you get one year and then it switches to another council member. And then that person gets another year. And basically the decisions are made and then they're executed. And they have a smaller type government and many of the decisions are actually made through like, from what I can understand, like a referendum type style where the citizens basically vote on things and they only have certain votes like three or four times a year. So you can't just at any, like at any time you can bring up your issue, but there's going to be a set time where then the villages vote on that and they make their decisions and then that's it. And so there's not like this back and forth Two sure. weeks later, no, we're revoking that because, you know. So I, I think what you've described, I think Switzerland would be an interesting case well, the, study. Really, really, the only difference is the level of how voluntary or consensual it is. If it's working that way, I would sign up for it voluntarily. I, yeah. I, I would say, yep, sign me up for that system if it's working. But the the main thing is the ability of whether or not you can say no. And when you remove the ability to say no, that's when the bad stuff happens. That's right. Yeah, I, I and, and I, I and, don't know and the, what, what, there's, what it's There's like arguments over there, yeah. for like the short term thing. If that's working, then that's fine. I'm completely open to the possibility. But um, I uh, another book that I that I enjoy is by uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe. It's called Democracy: The God That Failed. Um, he's also an anarchist, but he makes a pretty decent case that monarchy might be a lesser evil. He'd still prefer to have none of them, but mm-hmm. at least his, I like his, him already. his, his, ar- his argument, a conversation in a, in I am a monarchist. About, about the monarchy, his, his yeah. argument, not that there's never been a bad monarch. Certainly that's not true, but at least a king has some skin in the game, I guess. Yeah. They would operate their territory as if this is a private thing that they own. And they're invested in the long-term success of this because then they can pass it on to their heirs. 
the system that we have now where every few years they get voted out and turn it in the incentives for the politician is to just take 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 as much as they can get take what I can and get then and get it. the fuck out right yeah yeah there's a you're talking about the the motivation is um for a king let's say is definitely long term yeah and, he's and, got, and like if, you said he's got yeah. a vested interest i would imagine that a king in those type of scenarios would see himself as not just the political leader but the cultural leader the yeah. you know he's 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 setting the tone for the whole tribe and the whole whole nation and and he's where he's now got to worry if he I mean, he's he's going to have some power, so it's not no, tr it's not a trivial thing to overthrow the king, but that's always on the table. If you're a king and you're too much of a tyrant, yeah, there's always gonna there's more people that you're ruling over than people that yeah. work with you. So the worse that you get, the more likely that everybody's gonna get pissed off and decapitate you. Right. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I've argued that point that a monarchy, a good monarchy might very well be the best, most natural system. And I think when I look at nature, that's how other societies, I'm talking about animal societies, the lion society, the bees, the ants, they all operate on this kind of monarchy system where there is, uh, you know, there's a head and but but there's almost like a sense of community or family there um you know we're watching the show vikings where there's an earl and the earl is the leader of the community but he's he's not like a regular politician because they they're right there with the community they're fighting the battles with them they're like so i imagine a king in those times you would you would know him it wouldn't be yeah. like somebody you didn't know. You would be like, yeah, he's king, but I also he also just lives down the street there and and this type of thing. And maybe his house is a bigger castle and he's got some more servants yeah, or something, if, but if, he's if someone every, that's accessible. If, if every time some band of some some convoy comes up to your <laughs> castle gates and the king pretends he has COVID and hides out, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not going to earn much. That's not going to earn much respect from the people that uh, that are ruled by them. So that takes away Only their, other their feminists. moral authority. But <laughs> if, if you're a king who's down on the on the front lines with everybody else fighting, then that's that's more impressive. And that's somebody that is more likely to get real followers, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think that there's a need for whatever system, whatever system you might find yourself in and living in, is that there's a need for the leaders or those who to be accessible and showing themselves to be like actual leaders on the ground, as opposed to what we have now. Like you said, you know, the convoy pulls up and Mr. Trudeau books it. And yes. you think like, well, why not just come out and address them? Like he could come out and set it up. You know, he could put uh, tons, yeah, he's got some, tons of snipers and he's got security. Totally, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah the, you know, he, they could, they could set it up where he could come out and give a speech and address, you know, his, his side of the story. And I, and I never understood like why they don't just take that route, just come out and address them. Like, you know, just, and, and say your piece. It doesn't mean they're going to agree. But at least you're going out there and being like, you're people of the country, you have a problem. This is why we're making our decisions that we hear you, we see you. And even if he says we're not going to change anything or whatever, or we're going to think, at least to me, I'm like, there's some respectability that he would actually go out and talk 
to those people as opposed to again just book it and, yeah, and, then and if, give some he doesn't, crappy he doesn't news have conference. to convince anybody some like all the you know the mandates that the uh, the convoy wants to end right if he really was confident that these things are working and it's keeping people safe and alive then say so that's right that's exact, that's see that would be but my it, thing but, right? but everybody and that's like even even in the early days of the pandemic i think it's a wild um, overuse of power to even have done the original lockdown. I, think I mean, so, yeah. philosophically, and again, the worry is always if you let them expand their powers because of an emergency, then we're going to start finding a lot of emergencies happening. Yeah, all of a sudden we tend to live in a state of emergency all the time. But in March 2020, I was freaking out as much as everybody. It made it sure. sort of it sort of sure. made sense. Two yes. weeks to flatten the curve. We didn't know any better. That's right. This deep in though there's no excuse for it yeah yeah i i totally agree with even, you even that even at the even beginning the everybody i started out yeah throw, put a thing on your face you don't yeah. want to spit on people that makes sense but then you know reality slaps you in the face for a couple of years and you see these clowns just pretend like they haven't learned anything since march 2020 yeah 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 and what, what's amazing is the the hypocrisy that you know and we were saying like uh, before we started it's just it seems like they're starting their own story is crumbling yeah. and they're the ones making it crumble because it's like lie after lie and twist after twist is starting to, it's so starting to not make sense that everyone's like where where are you even going with this and also i think that the what i'll call the freedom movement or the resistant movement to this the movement to end mandates and and such um has gained so much momentum now that it's hard to ignore it and it's hard and, and word of mouth is still the number one form of marketing or getting any any message out yeah. there and there's so many people now that are watching and waking up to mm, maybe this is something's going on here that it, it seems to be tipping back the scales well, as i would rather we just voluntarily get sane but the silver lining to all this honestly the worse that it gets the more of a precarious position it puts the people in power because people are done with it and it's it's a lot harder to maintain the bullshit for it i mean you can turn on the news and see all these people are racist white supremacists but i don't think anybody's buying that there's certainly a, a strong uh, contingent that is on board for it but every every like all all of the people that did all of the things they're like all right i stayed home i wore my mask I got my first shot. I got my second shot. Because every step of the way, this is the thing. Right. If we all did this, we'll go back to normal. And we're not. Yeah. So there's only so many times you can cry wolf and be like, if you'd only comply, then you'll get your freedom back. Which well, is a, yeah. a silly way to set it up to start with. But you can only pull the carrot back so many times before people just get fed up with it. The actions, the behavior of Trudeau... And all the rest of them, this is not how people behave when they're confident in their power. Mm, that's a great point. I love it. How did the, um, <clears throat> like, how, as a stand up comedian, how did that affect, like, the lockdowns or the, like, half capacity, um, we the just, masks? just couldn't do it for a while. The mask, there's always an excuse. Like, nobody ever expected us to wear masks, like, while we were on stage talking into a microphone. Um, what about the audience? Like, did they have to wear masks? Like, 
Uh, I don't think there was ever a time where they had to when they were sitting down. There's probably some places, but if I'm, ju- I mostly am just doing shows at bars and stuff. So it's just like while you're sitting down. I mean, you can have a cup on the table, and you know, you gotta be ready to take a sip. Um, it, I think I think even once they reopened, I don't think I think it was the same as it is now, where you have to wear it when you get up. So, oh, it's so, it's stupid. I went to a hockey so, game the other night, bag of popcorn, and took my mask off and just did this the whole game. Eating popcorn. You have to put a mask on because you don't have to wear a mask if you're eating. Yeah, I, th- I think you're supposed to in the movie theater. I Not from day one. I don't think I had well, a mask on when I sat down, whether I had food in front of me or not. Did you I have to show a Vax Pass to get it there? Yep. Yeah. But, I think in the oh, theater yeah. they, they uh, weren't selling snacks anymore. Oh, they're selling <laughs> snacks. They're making a ton of money on selling snacks. Okay, there. Yeah, so, they won't even open. They're, they make most of their money on the concessions, not the movie tickets. Yep. So if, you, if you're doing a show... Or a gig, and Justin Trudeau was in the audience. Jagmeet Singh, Aaron O'Toole, and who? Uh, what's Legault? Legault, the Quebec. The goat. Legault is that his name? <laughs> the uh, who's the premier or the the Bloc Québécois leader? Uh, Satan. I don't know. That dude. Can't and the Green. It. Who would you say would be the best audience member, and who would be the worst audience member? I don't know. You're asking me which piece of turd I think would taste the best. <laughs> um. Like who would get the most offended? Uh, it's hard to tell because they're such phonies. Um, like we, you get no sense of what their actual personality is. I'm sure they're not the monsters that they present themselves as on the news. Um, honestly, I, I don't know. Like I only know these people from press conferences. I feel like Jagmeet makes more of an effort to seem cool. So he'd probably, He'd probably play along. He seems a bit more hip than the rest of them. At least that's his persona. <laughs> yeah. I, but, I it, think, but it depends on what it is. If a, yeah. cer- if a serp- certain topic was broached, then he might need to stand up and go put a new uh, petition that you can sign on ndp.ca. What, 100%. I was going to say, Jugmeat will play cool, but if he sees an opportunity to... Jugmeat is very strategic. I don't believe that he believes anything he says. I believe that he is an opportunist and he has jumped on this woke left bandwagon and he plays into it and he knows how to market to that crowd. Uh, So I I feel like he would be the most annoying. I've seen him do like an interview with Nardwar. He can can pretend to be a a human being for a few minutes. I think Aaron O'Toole will have to run a poll to see if he should laugh or not. Well, who cares? He's not even leader of the party anymore. Aaron O'Toole's done anyway. I I don't know the Quebec guy. As bad as Trudeau is, I feel like buried deep below his black heart there might be a sense of humor in there aaron o'toole i don't know what that guy is just a lump of soggy newspaper i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah but he made also he looks like the you know the the uncle that you'd have a beer with i think that's the entire persona (laughs) so who knows i think i think so i think that's what they went for like this kind of like you know the the guy that you would trust and you know, he looked like, like you said, like your uncle that would tell you a, a military story or some hockey story from back in the day or something like this. Yeah. So it's it's so far removed. Like even when I see you giving speech, sometimes you you get all fired up and you sound like you're cutting a World Wrestling Federation promo. <laughs> that's, uh, that's different than when I'm talking to you face to face. So it's hard, it's hard to tell. But well, that like, is true though, because like for instance, when I'm giving a speech, speech it's a much different well it's a much different vibe 
than sitting here and talking to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but in general for comedy, like it's comedy is such a thing that you need practice. Um, like even, even before COVID, if I was like to get up and do like five sets in a month was probably pretty average that compared to somebody that lives in like a big city where there's stuff going on like every day, like a professional comedian that's used to performing every day. If they go like four days without being on stage, they're rusty and they're not comfortable like where mm. i'm happy like sweet i got two in this week <laughs> You're like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so like a full six months where you couldn't do it at all a few people tried to do some like zoom comedy shows and that's probably the worst thing i've ever experienced <laughs> in my life uh just the dynamic of it it's first off it's just not the same as being in a room yeah. so and you've got to make the terrible decision of either everybody's mics are turned off so there's no laughter or the mics are turned on and there's just constant noise and interruptions from everything and, going and the on. thing is as a comedian i'm sure you you feed off the crowd yeah it's right. it's more like certainly i'm not a musician but i can see like certainly they can feed off the energy of a crowd but you can play a song impeccably alone in an empty room right you, you need the laughter too. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember Mash. Yeah, of on course. TV, the Korean, the Korean War Mash. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so it's, it was a comedy sitcom based in Korea during the war, and they had a laugh track. And then along the way of the show and its popularity, they decided to take the laugh track out. Well, all of a sudden, the jokes just weren't as funny anymore <laughs> because there was no cue for you to laugh at something. Well, I think that's yeah, like well, the collective. Is, I think that's infectious. what Zoom can't just um, uh, Zoom cannot mimic the oh. energy of the room, right? And when everybody's having a good time and you're falling into that good time, then everything is funnier and better and yeah, you're more and heightened it, and it to might the experience. Be just if one person laughs, then that makes the other person laugh. And especially like the kind of comedy I do, which veers a bit darker. Sometimes, like, if I say something really crazy, there's, like, it just hangs in the air for a second where people are like, Am I, I don't know if I should laugh at that horrible thing that happened to him as a child. <laughs> right. But then that one person laughs and everybody's like, oh, okay, it's fine. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that, that kind of seeds it. Like, I've experienced that. I've done the, uh, the Fundy Fringe Festival a bunch of times over the last several years, and I've had... Um, I've had some show like the first one, the first big one that I did was called Honey Garlic, and that was my version of that was more of a one man show than a stand up set. I used a lot of my stand up material, but I was talking more like family stuff and just bad stuff that I'd been through as a kid. So I had like my bits in there, and I'm a storytelling comedian anyway, so I'm not really like a setup punchline type person so i'd have those but i'd it also kind of opened me up where i could kind of expand and actually tell the real story without having to worry about throwing in a cheesy punchline every three seconds and um the shows that i did that had any of my friends in them or any of the other comedians they know this is meant to be funny even if i'm saying something tragic and those first couple of seed laughs can make the whole room laugh but i've also done shows where it was all theater people and just silence <laughs> there, there, there was one 
I uh, I did one and I thought that I bombed because the the laughters are our feedback mechanism. It knows how yeah we know that we're doing well, and so I just did. I just talked for an hour with very few laughs. It was very awkward. I was like, oh my god, I should kill myself. But uh, and I ran into somebody who's like the older brother of a friend of mine who was there, and the only other time he had seen me do stand up, I failed miserably. And so I ran into him at some other thing, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not that bad of a comedian, but every time you see me, it's always on a bad <laughs> night when the audience hates me. And he just was like, what are you talking about? That was the best show that I've seen at the festival this year. So it's just a matter of yeah, the setting, I guess. Yeah. And it's a storytelling thing. So, like, people, like, you could hear a pin drop in the room. So I know I had people's attention. Yeah. Which I'm... I want that, but you know, when I when I set it up and I say the thing that I'm expecting a laugh and it doesn't come is just soul crushing and you're just standing there in the spotlight. Does you your face get a bit redder? Like you feel Probably. yourself getting a bit hotter. I know that happens for my, me. My, like if my, I if I'm giving a speech and I have internally like recognized I am off or yeah. this is not going the way that I thought. I, I can feel like my own like face getting hotter and such. And I just have to try to like, you know, keep myself controlled and, and move and move beyond that. Yeah. Like sometimes if um, like if I'm doing a certain like a 10 minute set or something at punchlines, for example, our local comedy club, I'll usually since I'm a storytelling when I do longer stuff, if I've got a set generally this is what i'm doing and i'm going down with the ship whether or not it's going well <laughs> totally yeah i'm working on building in off ramps so if i'm losing them then i can change the topic <laughs> but if if i'm prepared to do something even within that i'll try to do something more off the cuff just as kind of an opening line i'll pay attention to what's been going on in the room and what happened and if i'm like this is the first thing that i'm gonna say and i'll go up and I'll just say my one-liner that I thought of. Sometimes it gets a huge laugh, and sometimes everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> and like that, if that first line fails, then that shakes me for the <laughs> totally. whole. Totally, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, set. "Oh, yeah, yeah." I, I can I can relate to a lot of what you're saying as a speaker. Uh, g you know, giving giving speeches, um, you know, at rallies and different things is that um, the crowd has a huge impact on my own energy you know um when you get a really responsive crowd and they're um you know you can feel that they're backing you yeah. right like they're they're with you and they want you to be successful it's a huge huge boost mm -hmm. when it's a crowd like for instance like uh, at certain like at the debates uh, where the where it's clear that much of the crowd, you know, by facial expression or just by you know the fact that they're holding up a, a liberal NDP sign, right? You know, type of thing. You know, you know that they're they're not for you, and then there it's it's you know it, it's a lot different. Um, you know, you have to draw that passion not necessarily from the crowd, but from your own beliefs. At least in yeah. my in my in what I do. Yeah, and sometimes it can lean into it too. If I'm if I'm failing spectacularly, and I know I've got one friend in the back that is just dying laughing at how awkward this whole thing is, I'll lean into it and yeah. I'll dig my heels in. I, I used to be a rapper. Not, me too. Oh yeah, I love to hear your raps. Hold on, I gotta tell you no, the story. So but was, the intro to my radio show is me. Is rapping. you rapping? That's yeah. amazing. I um I used to be a rapper, and uh, and uh, I remember T O K apostrophe N, and <laughs> and. Uh, 
I was playing this show, and it was the it was the toughest show ever. It was just I'll just say like it just wasn't my crowd, my audience. I should have never been there, and I had to do two songs, and I did the first song, and the entire room just basically how you're looking at me right now with his <laughs> with your arms crossed. And just you like had a Christian festival neck. Yeah, no, no, and 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 a look of like this is the worst thing ever. And so I did the first song, and it was horrible. It was just bomb, right? And so I started laughing, and I said to the crowd, "Look, I'm booked for two songs, so I'm gonna do the second song, and then I'll let you guys get back at it." And I literally just did the second song, not even paying attention to the crowd. I just did my own thing. And I was out of there within like three minutes flat. It's the quickest I've ever left a venue. Just boom, 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 when I was gone. <laughs> was it a clan meeting? Like what? <laughs> no, I, no, uh, it was just like I. My music was for young people. This was an older crowd that was just like, "What is you this?" You need to talk I, to your booking. Yeah, totally. It was just. <laughs> no, it was I'm, just a bad booking. I'm. I'm a sucker for punishment. I'll linger around, <laughs> and I'll. I'll watch everybody walk by me and avoid eye contact. <laughs> There might be like three people that will be like, you were my favorite. Like, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This, this was for you. <laughs> Thank uh, you so much for saving my uh, my pride. I wish I could go to a comedy show so badly. Really? They're not that funny. So <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> I miss it. I, I really do miss it. Soon, soon. We might do one. Yeah. Yeah, we've been uh, thinking about uh, doing a comedy show here. And now we have a bunch of businesses speaking out and things are, you know, who knows, like a comedy show might be a, a legal, a, com a legal normal comedy show where we can all just go in and, and have fun uh, might be available soon. And if not, we'll still make it available in our own way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The wind's kind of blowing that way. Unfortunately, my worry is that the convoy might actually slow it down because nobody wants to look like they gave in to the terrorists. So uh, even yeah. if they were planning on letting up anyway, they kind of got to dig their heels in for at least. Trudeau does. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's in a situation and that's the thing. Once you, once you've backed a story to the level he's backed, yeah. uh, like he's, you know, he's not just going to all of a sudden turn around and they'll try to figure out they, a way they need, to, they need to uh, find a way to yeah. pat themselves on the back 100%. and declare victory. That's exactly it, and that's I'm sure what they're gonna figure It'll out. Come out, big mission accomplished banner. What? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, we beat COVID. It's over. Uh, the numbers are dropping. We've got like they'll come up with some way to say that they somehow have uh, have won, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's all over, and and we're so proud of ourselves, and they'll name streets after themselves, and all that kind of nonsense, and yeah. you know, and that's the way it goes. Uh, why don't you plug quickly, though, for yourself, uh, just once again, how do people get a hold of you, you know, what you got uh, going on, all that kind of good stuff. John Forward Comedy on Facebook and YouTube, um, johnforward.com. It's very rarely updated, but the links <laughs> to stuff is in there. Um, St. John Forward Radios on Monday nights, 9 to 10 on uh, local FM, also Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Four-story walk-up is whenever me and Brian and RF feel like it <laughs> nice probably every two weeks that's on facebook and there's a youtube for that too cool and uh no jokes bard uh, is my uh, monthly open mic that we aim for the third saturday of the month so um i don't know when this is coming out but the next one's february 19th and then the one after that is whatever the third saturday in march is sweet where do you do that at mcgill's on the boardwalk on the boardwalk 
Out of the sun, under, under the, the boardwalk. Board. Okay, well, that's enough. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, cool. Well, John, we appreciate you coming out and hanging out with us, being our dinner guest. We didn't feed you any dinner. We didn't talk about sex or God or sex with God. So no. We'll have to come <laughs> back sometime. But come back, it's yeah, because really actually one of my questions for you that I didn't get into, and I don't want you to answer it now, and I don't want you to tell me, because next time you're on the show, I just want to a- ask it to you. I want to get your answer, and then we can go from there. Is uh, do you believe in God? Don't I don't even want to look at your face. I don't want to have any idea <laughs> of what your spiritual beliefs or thoughts. Don't even look at me. I want to know them <laughs> on the show. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll see you guys at the next episode, and we'll definitely have John to talk about sex and God next time. <laughs> <laughs>